Hello, Kingsters, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Kinky as Fuck podcast with me, your host, The Reverend. We just got back from DomCon Los Angeles 2023, the 20th year of DomCon. What an outstanding experience. So many people showed up that I haven't seen in years. I got to have basically a, a kinky family reunion. And oh man, that was just so satisfying. I also got to meet some new friends. Uh, a lot of kink talk educators were were there, f- and we met up and uh, outstanding individuals. So if I met you at DomCon, thank you so much for giving me the time because apparently I forget to post a picture of who I am. So I just run up and go, "Hi, it's so glad to see you," and they're like, "Who's this?" I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I'm the Reverend." Mm, I'll fix that. Anyway, this week. I have a special treat. Uh, we worked forever trying to get these two individuals on the podcast because, well, they're in the UK. So we had to really fight to get the right time uh, because there is about an, what is it, a 12 to 13 hour time difference between the two of us. So it was either I was having breakfast or they were having breakfast while I was trying to get this done. But we got it. We got it set up, and these two are erotic hypnotists, and they are from mesmerotic.com. Speaking with them piqued so many new interests, and I got to say, it's something that's burning on my bucket list, is trying out and experiencing hypnotism in a scene. I think that would be outstandingly interesting. And for all of you who are listening right now going, hypnotism isn't a thing, it's a crock. Go ahead and listen. We discussed that. But first, I have to go ahead and say thank you to all of my amazing sponsors. Starting with fetishforlife.com. Show your love for everything kinky and fetish as fuck. With t-shirts, play bags, coffee mugs, and so much more. All of that is by fetish artists, the artist who knows what fetish tastes like. We also have SanctuaryLAX.com. They're back open in their new location. They're having parties, socials, classes, the whole gambit. Go to SanctuaryLAX.com for more information. And of course, I have to say thank you to Spotify. And other than that, Kingsters, let's start the show. And now it's time for the Kinkiest Fuck Podcast with your host, the Reverend. Be very, very quiet. We're looking for kinksters. <laughs> On this week's episode, we're talking erotic hypnotism with mesmerotic.com. Oh, 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 my baby's naked. Yay! Are you ready yet? Nope. Are you ready yet? No. Are you ready yet? No. Okay. A big shout out to all of our sponsors that make this podcast possible. The Kinky is Fuck Podcast. Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash kinkyafpodcast. Yay! Now fuck. All right, Kinksters, welcome back to the show. As I said in the intro, we've got Tricks and Sinister from Mesmerotic. How are you? Hello. Doing well, thanks. I want to thank you both for uh, working with me because you are all in the UK and I'm here in Utah and the, the, the time difference has been kind of something that we had to play with. But um, thank you very you much. For... Good, oh, well, thank you very much. All right. So 
tell us about mesmerotic. What what does that mean? What is that? I mean, what does that mean is it, it sounded vaguely hypnotic and we needed a name. Uh, Mesmerized erotic. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but what it is, it's the studio, the name, the... The production. The company. label yeah. that we make porn under, that we teach under, that we make sort of educational resources under. It's the name that we do the things we do under. And all of it erotic hypnosis. So we kind of looked at what was out there at the time this was before the pandemic and uh we had already been in this really rich hypnotic informed ds dynamic and the kind of porn that was out there for people who like erotic hypnosis was often very role play centered um mm. and what was out there that was authentic hypnosis wasn't reflecting the kind of play that we did as people who were already had other kinds of kinks before we came into erotic hypnosis. So we yeah. decided to make it. You know, be the porn you want to see in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So I went out on Twitter, as I always do, and I asked um, people to send me in questions. And pretty much um, I've got quite a few that were damn near rude. And I, I apologize in advance. <laughs> but... Basically, can you explain what erotic hypnosis is and how it's not just a parlor trick? Ooh. I mean, I mean it is a parlor trick. It is a parlor trick. trick which we, uh, <laughs> I, we don't often do it in parlors. We don't have big enough houses. Well, the first time we did it, it was in a parlor. Like, That's that true. first time you hypnotized me, we were away with a kinky group of friends and we'd already been doing some one-on-one hypnosis and it went really well mm. my first time in trance and then we all sort of retired from the banquet to the drawing room and we did a <laughs> kind of floor show in this drawing room so that was definitely that's a fair. parlor that's trick um, um gave you a foot fetish that day <laughs> which has quite lingered hasn't it it has indeed uh, <laughs> but yeah so at the end of the day you can look at it as tricks it's tricking people's minds into working in certain ways it's bringing someone on board in the way you want them to interpret the world and working together collaboratively to make that feel more and more authentic and more and more real in a way that goes beyond just something they're doing to themselves and becomes something they feel is happening to them. And I think that's really the key that it's collaborative. People have this idea that hypnosis is mind control or it's um, a curse that people put on you by speaking the right magic words. But in reality, it's just using your imagination. The subject is using their imagination to create really immersive scenarios for themselves, because when we pay attention to something, it becomes true. Like the more we pay attention to something, the more true it becomes or the more invested in it we become. And it's essentially opening yourself up to the idea that your mind can do amazing things. So we're not making anyone do anything. Not really. That's a frame that we play with. That's an idea that we like to yeah. play with. Just as when you're talking about DS and power exchange, you know, your your dominant can't actually force you to do most of the things that, you know, form the framework of that relationship. The power exchange, that DS, is just a, a, a shared delusion right you are both pretending that that is the case hard enough that it becomes something that is actually real and then it does really become something that you're living because you have exchanged that power like the power exchange we have is very real because i really do put my own agency 
in the back seat in order to follow the things that you want me to do. By you, I mean sinister. <laughs> Not you, <laughs> listening public. Um, and so by doing that repeatedly and conditioning me more and more, we're, we're making the neural pathways in my brain that make me obedient to you more and more like, fast to fire. And that changes how I think and how I act. And so it changes my reality. So it's really the same. Yeah, because same with hypnosis, you start out with this thing where it feels far more collaborative and you are working together and you are, you know, maybe sometimes feeling at the start a lot of new subjects and subjects. We mean like the, the person being hypnotized. A lot of new subjects will say, oh, I just felt like I was going along with it. Like I could have resisted if I wanted to. Which I give two answers. The first is, well, if I've convinced you to do what I want you to, then I've won anyway. Like, great. Um, but also, a lot of people start out feeling like that. And as they develop, as they sort of grow in their subject skills, that becomes more and more a thing where they can feel truly controlled through it. That, that resistance is something that feels less and less accessible. Or it feels more automatic. So you mm. can always play in a way that centers your ability to resist. Like it's not inherent in hypnosis that you have to have power exchange, but where you want that to be the yeah. goal, it can definitely be very real over time. Um, so yeah, it is a lot of trickery. It's a lot of using the way the brain works, using the way the body works against, in inverted commas, your subject, but it's also so much more than that because it can have these real changes. It can have physio physiological changes. It can have like deep conditioning associated with it. And we're still really impressed. Like we'll try something and think this isn't going to work. There's no way that hypnosis can. <laughs> oh, oh, I see that. That's just happened. Oh, okay. apparently it can work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some of the most interesting times when consciously you're thinking this isn't going to fly and then it does and you're like wow okay this this shit runs deep huh <laughs> <laughs> well i think that runs into our our very next question of is there a dark side to erotic hypnosis you, you said that it must be a collaborative thing that you're not forcing anyone to do something they don't want to do so is there a dark side or is that just in porn when you say dark side here, are you meaning like playing with darker themes or are you meaning hypnosis as a kink being used in like consent breaking or bad ways? More consent breaking bad ways, forcing someone to do something that they either are not aware that is a, you know, a, hypnos a hypnotic trigger or, um, you know, just making them do something they don't quite want to do. So there's something that a lot of people say when teaching hypnosis, which is you can't be made to do anything you don't want to do, right? You're always in control as the subject. You can choose to reject suggestions, all that. And unfortunately, that's not entirely the whole case. Like, yes, your subject and you as a subject have the capacity to reject anything you're told that you don't want. You can change how you're interpreting things, all that kind of thing. You always retain that capacity. But the problem is we are very good as humans at convincing people to do to want things like that's the whole reason marketing exists. Right. At the whole advertising <laughs> right. sector is around convincing people to want things. So, yes, it can be used abusively it can be used in ways that are not respectful of consent because you can always push someone into a position where they accept something that 
you know, maybe if they were thinking clearly, they wouldn't. Yes, you can ignore like what people have said and you can push people in ways that you shouldn't. Absolutely. But I don't think it's unique in that by any means. I think, you know, every kink has that capacity. And there is just certain things about hypnosis that make it more. Mm, what's the right word here? Mm, more more inclined toward that yeah basically language can be used to manipulate people and if you are for example into behavior change and that's a kink of yours then if you're not very aware of your own limits then potentially you could get into a situation where you don't realize how things are going until they've happened but at the same time people who are going to abuse people don't need hypnosis to do that people who abuse yeah, people true. Do it in every way and if anything being very alert and aware because people who do hypnosis tend to be more um focused on well if you're doing hypnosis and you're educated about it because obviously the problem always is that if people have a belief for example that hypnosis could make you do anything then potentially hypnosis could make you do anything because you believe it to be true and it's all about the imagination so it's very easy to then imagine that someone could have a lot of control over you. It's also very intimate, like it's a very intimate kink. You have to really understand someone's motivations. And so if someone is getting this situation where they have a lot of intimacy with someone, intimacy can breed manipulation. But it takes bad actors to do that. It's not anything magic or inherent about hypnosis that either keeps you totally safe or is a total risk. It's it's just using attention and using the imagination and how you use it is really dependent on whether you're going to use it for good or bad. You can manipulate people in any kind of conversation. That's what language does. It transmits your ideas and there's nothing inherent about hypnosis that makes it more likely that it will be used to abuse people. Mm. Because, as you say, you always retain the possibility of rejecting suggestion or adapting it to work better for you. But you can imagine it almost like a current and your hypnotist words as you get, you know, we call it a state of suggestibility, a state where whatever they're saying, you're kind of congruent with them. You're listening to their words and you're kind of taking them on board quite quickly in a kind of dissociated way that means you feel hypnotized. Um, and if you're going with the flow like that, if you're not aware of your own limits and you're not aware of the things you don't want to do, then you could be more likely to just continue to go along with something. But if you are aware of your limits, if you know how it feels in your body, for example, when something happens and you really want it and when something happens and you really don't want it, you know, you understand your yeses and your noes and your boundaries, then it, it's really unlikely that anything would happen with hypnosis that you didn't want to happen because you'd just adapt the suggestion, reject the suggestion or wake up and tell that person to fuck off. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I think honestly, that's similar to other kinks. Like if you're doing yeah. a rope scene and you're not aware of your limits in row or the things you don't want to do. And if someone starts doing that thing to you, you're unlikely to call them out on it at the time or maybe even a little later until you've had time to process because you are just going along with it. You're in that zone. You're, you're in the play with someone and you're relying on them to keep you safe. And if they don't keep you safe, it might take you a minute to figure it out if you weren't already really aware of your boundaries when you started playing with them. Yeah. So I think in some ways, it's got a lot more similarities. It's just there's a lot of tropiness and a lot of um, cultural 
misunderstandings around hypnosis that make people very suspicious of it. Yeah, which is why we always try to lead uh, when we're teaching, lead with this sort of subject empowerment, um, subject agency theme that, yes, it can do some incredibly powerful things. It can have incredibly effective changes in someone's life in how they interpret the world and all these things but if you want them Mm. if you're in a place where you want to accept that and the earlier you can think about that and decide what sorts of things you want to be accepting the better you can protect yourself Mm -hmm. you know i i you both have just blown my mind quite a bit uh (laughs) I, i came into this not knowing really anything about um erotic hypnosis except for what i've seen in well bad pornography (laughs) (laughs) we've seen the sort the i'm gonna swing a pocket watch in front of this girl for 30 seconds and then there's going to be a half hour blowjob scene yeah Yeah. (laughs) right not our speed (laughs) (laughs) all right so another question came in um i'm going to modify it because of what you all have just said um pretty much the original question was how can you give uh, consent during a scene, but after what you've just explained of like you're still in control, you can reject an item or modify the item. So I'm going to modify the question of what does a negotiation scene uh, or a negotiation for this scene look like in compared to like impact or violet wand, etc. And we're happy to talk about the safeties that we tend to yeah. put in as well. Well, I mean, to answer the first question is we would tend to, like, suggest that people don't negotiate once the scene started. Because, again, you know, we're dealing with these ideas of increased suggestibility. That's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. You're, you're dealing with headspaces where someone is more likely to go along with what you're saying. So we really suggest that once you've started and you might be in that space and you're feeling a little more agreeable, then yeah, try not to negotiate after that point. Do your negotiation up, you know, in advance. And of course, that's true of other kinks. Like I heard you agreeing, you know, in general, we'd say don't negotiate up when the scene starts, right? Of anything. Exactly. Negotiate down, but never up. Yeah, and much the same, but probably even more important when it comes to hypnosis. We've got a friend who, for instance, has a sort of rule for themselves that they will not do any online shopping if they've done hypnosis that day, because they know they're just far too susceptible to all the like advertising tricks. Ooh, bargain. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's one thing. But the, the the difference is really when it comes to negotiating for a hypnosis scene is you just need to include a lot more, particularly as the subject talking about yourself. So because we're not just talking about, you know, what how are you feeling today and what are you in the mood for and is your body behaving itself we're also where are you at mentally you you know what are you feeling how has your day been Mm. um how does your mind work you know what capacities does your mind have because you know different modalities ways of thinking are you very visually oriented or is it a real like is sound one of your biggest sensory kind of ways of thinking um Mm also things like because language is so flexible right so you could take your language somewhere that a physical scene could not really expect to do so for example say you have a, a terrible fear of drowning you don't need to bring that up in most kinds of scenes but 
if a hypnotist is going to float you out to sea as the induction, the, the way into trance, you know, float you out to a relaxing sea of calm and then submerge you in trance, that might be not so good. Terrifying, <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so covering phobias or things that just kind of squick you a bit, um, you don't need to find spiders scary to find them unpleasant. And then like a lot of terminology around being wrapped up in webs is maybe not your speed. Um, yeah, the ways you think. So <laughs> the question we probably get asked the most is I have ADHD. Can I be hypnotized? Absolutely, <laughs> you can. Mm-hmm. Right. But you might want to bring that up because it might affect the way your hypnotist approaches doing that scene with you. Yeah. And really just communicating your expectations, your desires. What does hypnosis mean for you? And then the tones, like, is this something that's nice and relaxing and collaborative? Is it something that's controlling and intense and even maybe a little bit scary? Like, mm-hmm. how do you approach it? Because there's so many different ways to do the same, you know, get the same effect. Mm-hmm. And then also covering the physical side. Like, yeah, you might not uh, be actually ever touching your subject but you might so you need to negotiate that if that's something that's going to happen but even if you're doing sort of play online over skype or similar if you're going to have someone doing an induction that involves lowering and raising their arm then it probably would help to know that they've got a really bad shoulder that day yeah we tend to forget sometimes because hypno kinksters we're kind of like we're all about the brain we're just brains in jars doing kinky (laughs) things but actually of course that's not the case we are embodied minds Mm. um yes yeah and then of course all the standard stuff limits safe words all those kinds of stuff brilliant you know i (laughs) the whole floating out to sea uh, reference that you made made me think like oh yeah for me that would be maybe terrifying because if i'm scuba diving and i can see great if i'm on top of the water like in a boat cool but if i'm in the water and i can't see like something touching my foot mm, yeah that, no i've you spooked yeah i've seen too many like great white shark and giant squid <laughs> movies no that that'd be terrifying <laughs> yes well maybe that would be a good you know induction for a fear play scene for you <laughs> yeah I, uh Water. that would be interesting <laughs> damn all right anyway <laughs> you guys got my brain uh working overtime now i'm very interested in all what's going on here so oh, you um, imagination going oh dear oh yeah yeah again <laughs> i i walked into this being like okay I've got all these questions from Twitter, and I'm sure I'm going to have a lot more questions as we're talking. Um, in a video that I saw, uh, tricks you do actually, um, I think it was on TikTok, and it was that, uh, you know, where's the cheese? It's under the sauce. But your caption was, um, you know, I can't be hypnotized, and, you know, I have ADHD, so I can't be hypnotized. You know, this doesn't work for me. So what kind of things actually do happen when you're bringing someone into a trans state? The floating watch is is Hollywood. Uh, uh-huh. The spiral seems to be kind of Hollywood. So what exactly happens when you're bringing someone into a trance? To start with, like, yes, the pocket watches, metronome, spirals are very tropey. But that means they're imbued almost with a lot of meaning. Mm. Yes, they are silly, but 
because they mean hypnosis to a lot of people, that means they can be very effective tools because someone sees them and goes, mm. that takes people into trance. Therefore, I'm going into trance now, which is gotcha. powerful. And there is, you know, quite a lot of hypno kinksters for whom hypnosis is the kink. So all the tropes and, and all of that around it is kind of what they are eroticizing. Mm. But at the same time, there is people who use hypnosis as a tool and we sort of sit between these groups like I love being hypnotized for hypnosis's sake but I wouldn't call myself a hypno kinkster in the traditional sense I don't fetishize hypnosis per se but when we play and it's kind of part of our scene or if I'm incorporating hypnosis with someone who plays in other ways isn't just about the trance then it's very similar in a lot of ways to what you'd expect in other kinds of scenes. You know, it's a lot of uh, staring into someone's eyes, using touch to focus them, using your words to describe mm. and, and pull their attention towards certain things. Because you need basically three things to go into hypnosis. You need the intention to make it hypnotic. And that in itself is very powerful. It's basically, if you have the intention, anything is instantly hypnotic. It's amazing. The second is attention, so drawing focus to something in particular. So it could be my body and the way that it looks. It could be the sound of my voice as I talk. It could be the way that I'm touching someone. It could be the sound of the chains that I'm slowly running on a, uh, what's this thing? What's that called? Wheel? Winch. 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 A winch. Got it. <laughs> she, she needs to think for me. I don't have any brain anymore. Um it could be the sound of the chain that you're pulling on a winch and you focus them on it. You you get them to pour as much attention as possible into the thing that you want them to pay attention to. And then you fascinate them with it. So you take whatever you're getting them to pay attention to and you describe everything about it. You draw them into every single facet of the thing that you're trying to pay attention to. And that in itself, that drawing in, that narrowing of focus to be so kind of laser on the thing that you're getting them to notice. So if it's the sound of my voice, it could be the tones in my voice as I talk. It could be the way I growl slightly on some words. It could be the way that it feels as I whisper them in their ear, like whatever it is, get them to think about all of those things. And by doing so, they'll be so captivated by that thing that that causes them to go into a light state of trance. And then mm -hmm. from there, you can deepen it which is what we call the next stage of, of going into trance. You deepen the trance. And what this can look like practically is so many things. So as we've said, there's the sort of tropey, I'm swinging a pocket watch in front of someone uh, while I talk and sort of like guide them in that, or I have them stare at a candle flame or a point on the wall or into my eyes. Um, those are the kind of very traditional kind of things that people think of, but it can go so much more than that. You can have someone move in a repetitive motion or you can have some, you know, use touch on their body. Like we've got metaphors around down being quite a powerful thing. Um, so stroking down someone, you can pull someone's hair to get them into trance. You can slap them to get them into trance. You can give them a bunch of confusing orders and take advantage of that sort of like panic that happens in the brain to get someone into trance. Mm. Um, you can disrupt how you'd shake someone's hand to get them into trance. You know, there are so many ways in. You can get them to focus on the pleasure that you're bringing their body and just fascinate them with that so that there's nothing else in their head. And from or, there. Or do the same with pain. Yeah. And anticipation and yeah so basically the sky is the limit 
uh, all you need is those three things, intention, attention, fascination, and you've got a light state of trance. Intention, attention, and what was the last one again? Fascination. Fascination. Mm. Mm. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> a lot of, Welcome a lot. to our TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I see you both light up as you talk about this, and I, I can tell mm. that this is something that you both really are into. So that brings me into my next question of how did this all start for you? Like for a lot of kinksters, they watch the old Batman uh, TV show and they're up. Oh, I'm into bondage now. Yeah. So how did this work for you? What was your, the history? So for me, um, I was doing some play online, um, sort of like kink at a distance. There are limits to what you can do you know it's a bit frustrating always having to just tell someone to do things for themselves you know there's frustrations around not actually managing to have an effect on people um and i was talking to someone a friend who was like yeah we've been playing with hypnosis lately uh and it's quite interesting i was like hypnosis isn't real that's not that's not a thing there's no there's no way that actually works but i'll give it a go it sounds fun Tried it out, kind of fell in love with it. Because, um, yeah, apparently it did work. Yeah, it's quite powerful, <laughs> it turns out. So you um, started out both... with the skepticism as well then? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow, yeah. okay. Um, and sort of played around with it a little bit for a year or two. Um, and then went along to um, a kind of workshop weekend for it thinking i'd like to know a bit more about this and that just blew my mind it was like okay there is way more to this than i realized i need to start telling everyone about this um and then a couple of years after that met you mm, yes yeah, so we met through the kink scene um originally the rope scene and we actually tied together before we'd ever seen each other yeah we were doing a sort of speed rope uh um session at an event at a workshop weekend again, um, where we were both blindfolded while I tied tricks, um, introduced each other after having tied her, which was so we both you know, revealed our blindfolds way. and like, oh hello, that's you. <laughs> and then she's pretty face blind, so we agreed to play and then promptly didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Until a few uh, years later, when we a we few did. months later. Oh months yes you're right um but yeah and i was like yeah hypnosis is great i've been doing it a little bit with other people you knew yes and introduced so you to it we did more rope and then very quickly i was like you know that hypnosis thing that you do i would quite like to try that if you don't mind and you said yes and so we tried it and the very first time i tried it as a subject it blew my mind i was like this is far too powerful it's I'm feeling things with my brain. She's inside my head making me feel things. And, you know, I'm someone who really fetishizes, as are you, you being sinister, uh, power exchange. Mm. Um, and actually behavior modification and that sort of thing is really my my joy. I love that. Um, and I love service and having this way of someone getting inside my head, changing the things that I like, or like, you know, tweaking me, adapting me, making me better is just so wonderful. But so I 
we didn't start there obviously we started with like gentle introductory trances and we were already doing kinky power exchange we were doing impact play mm-hmm. and what else were we doing just general restraint you being, you being a dick yeah that kind of thing bondage <laughs> stuff um but instantly i was kind of like well i need to know everything about this now I need to know everything about this and I need to be able to do it because I'm, I'm a switch. So I was like, I can't yeah. just leave this. This is this needs to I need to have this magical power myself. <laughs> and then it just so happened that we bumped into someone who was like in the hypno scene in the UK and the hypno scene in the UK. At that point was tiny. Very small. And they ran. Uh, I just noticed them across the room doing hypnosis and I'd only done hypnosis myself a couple of weeks ago, but I heard them do some hypnosis and I was like, okay, I've got to talk to these people at this play party. And it turned out they were running this convention and it just so happened that two people had dropped out and it just so happened there was a hotel room available. And so, you know, I was like, well, let's go do that. Yeah. Hey, hey, sinister. Uh, Do you fancy (laughs) a trip? (laughs) And so we did. Yeah, and, and in that weekend, I learned a phenomenal amount. And then I was also unemployed at the time, so I was just constantly learning hypnosis, doing more, transing more people. Three months later, we started Mesmerotic, a porn production company. Uh, and then two months after that, COVID hit, so we had <laughs> an excellent excuse to keep seeing each other during the pandemic because oh, it was work. We have to scene together because it's our job. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Um, and then yeah, we. I kind of kept learning. We both ended up going pro. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we both do hypnosis sessions. We do audio files, videos, and obviously we make the authentic hypno kink porn with our friends mostly who are also into hypnosis. And it's just, it's been, it's been wild. And then in the last, I'd say year, we started teaching a lot more. Like yeah. we were doing the We've occasional. We've done bits of workshops here and there. Like I, I was doing workshops before I met you. Yes. Because I was like, everyone needs to know about this. Too good to keep to ourselves. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the hypno scene was very distinct from the kink scene. And then I wouldn't shut up at like kink events telling everyone they should try hypnosis. So it's now kind of like meshed a lot more. Yes. Yeah, we've, um, we've done a good, we've done some good work. Um, <laughs> Bridging and, the gap, very good. Yeah, exactly. Hands across the sea or whatever it is. Um, so yes, that's that's where we are now. And I love hypnosis. It's still a complete obsession of mine. I'm constantly, I'm never not learning more because mm. you never finish learning about how the mind works and finding mm. those little like tips about how you can use language in a slightly more manipulative way. Or And each new person you meet, each new person you play with has a brain that works slightly differently. So it's always a new challenge. You're always improving your skills. Yeah, and the stuff we do together over the years that we've been together now has just blown my tiny little mind like (laughs) over time it's only got more Mm. we just continuously seem to push to new new kind of avenues that I didn't if you'd have asked me a few years ago I wouldn't have thought was possible oh likewise yeah it's really good it's really good I love you very much (laughs) Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, <clears throat> no apology needed at all. Um, geez. Okay. You, you both have given me a <laughs> lot to think about. History there. <laughs> no, I love the history. I love that story. It's 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 a beautiful thing actually, but it mm-hmm. kind of it goes right into another question I had, kind of down the line. 
of um, someone who's just wanting to get into hypnosis, you know, for kink or otherwise, um, what should they be expecting and what should they be looking for? Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. So I guess if you're wanting to get into hypnosis as a kink, the first place to go is find your local community. It's always the case, right? But people who specifically know things about hypnosis, whether it's online or offline, because there is a lot of passionate people sharing their perspectives mm. and their understandings and a genuinely inquisitive person who is ready to kind of like sit in the space, be friendly, not expect play is going to get like a lot of information from their, their scene. Um, and the nice thing about hypnosis is there is big online communities because it's a kink that you can literally do at distance across the world and it still works really, really well. Um, and after that, I guess the same as any other kink, it's always good to try and look for people who teach it. Um, there are some really good uh, conventions, especially across the States. You have um, Mindquake, Beguiled, Charmed is the biggest one. Ehu. Nihu. <laughs> this is quite There's a lot. lot um, which will have like classes for everything from beginners all the way up to, you know, sort of more deep dive expert level stuff. Mm. And there are classes across the country. Um, well, I don't know. There is There's events like events in the UK. The there's a lot of events. So we run an event in the Midlands, um, Mind Play East Midlands, where we do a lot of teaching on hypnosis and other sort of like psychological kink things. And I know there's one in York now, Yomp. <laughs> and there's munches that often have teaching elements that kind of thing so it's really about finding what's close to you or finding what you can attend at a distance like as of 2020 for some reason a lot of the uh big hypnocons have at least an online component mm -hmm. so you can get an online ticket that's far cheaper um and go along to some of the classes that are being taught just over zoom mm -hmm. And of course, we teach. So if you like the things we've been saying about hypnosis, we teach both hyp hypnotists and subjects. And we just ran a seven week boot camp. Well, we're in the middle of running it right now, where it, the idea is to take you from complete beginner who knows nothing about hypnosis. And then after seven weeks, you will have had the full training plus some drop ins and a discord with Q&A with us so that you can really ask any questions that you have you have opportunities to practice with other people and that was all online mm -hmm. so we're really excited about that it's the first time we've run it and it's been really really good so far and we've had a lot of people having their first successes and it's just so nice to hear and it makes me so proud and we will almost certainly be running that again yeah and then we might do a sadistic hypnosis boot camp which is uh tailored toward all of the darker sides of hypnosis and in this, we mean the like mean stuff, the mean stuff, fear play, gaslighting, shame play, um, orgasm control, orgasm control. Yeah, absolutely. All, that All the fun stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so find what's close to you, find communities, start going along to things, practice. Um, and we'd really encourage you touched on like even if you want to approach this from a subject perspective, even if you want to be the one being hypnotized, the more you know about it, the better it works um yeah it and actually it helps you to problem solve and troubleshoot with your hypnotist why things might not be working as well as you want them to and you can yeah. say well why don't you try this and you'll have the language for it to help 
yeah. describe the experience. Just as sort of rope bottoming is an active skill that you can develop, sort of being a subject, subject skills are really something that are valid. Gotcha. Okay. So kind of like a, a mental yoga, because a lot of rope bottoms do yoga for the flexibility. You're doing yeah. a mental yoga. Yeah. And, you know, like rope bottoms <laughs> might understand the knots, you know, and be able to give a second eye or like understand placement on the body where your nerves are. It's kind of. Yeah. Get to know your body. So you know where the you know lines across your arm can go. You get to know your minds. So you know what kind of language is going to work, what sort of things they should avoid. What sort of approaches will work best for you. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Um, this one I don't really have a place for, but it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, um, what would be the difference between a guided meditation and hypnosis? Because a lot <laughs> of things are similar in the two. So I have a really broad conception of hypnosis. Like, I honestly feel like the more I learn about hypnosis, the more I just think everything's hypnosis now. <laughs> because you can have hypnosis without trance, for example. You can manifest hypnotic phenomena, suggestions, when you're in completely waking state and no one's ever done the whole swinging pocket watch induction and you haven't gone all floppy and relaxed. But you don't need any of that. You can just do it while you're awake and alert and you feel conscious and all that all it is is using attention imagination focus all that kind of thing um and there's a really good evidence base for that now um if anyone's interested have a look at the automatic control automatic imagination automatic wait ah i automatic hate that i can't remember the words model, isn't it? automatic imagination model i'm just putting control in because i like control i guess <laughs> <laughs> um and, and James Tripp, as a hypnotist, a lot of work on waking trance and that kind of thing. Anyway, point being, you don't need trance for hypnosis. And there's, oh, I've forgotten what the original question guided was. Guided meditation. Guided so meditation. yes, guided meditation and hypnosis have a lot in common. You could see guided meditation as a form of hypnosis. Generally, the difference I would see is guided meditation is probably quite a it's got some borders it's got some pretty strict boundaries right it's very collaborative it's very um permissive whereas hypnosis can can be that but it can also be very controlling it can be very um prescriptive um it can be very demanding if that's the kind of thing you're into mm. so guided meditation in many ways and in many cases is probably a type of hypnosis but doesn't summarize the whole of it yeah it's like one arm of the whole thing yeah it's very similar to self-hypnosis i feel like a lot of self-hypnosis can involve that kind of journeying but not always yeah i just feel like everything's hypnosis yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, again i i'm a lot of these things i'm like all right shit i might have a new, a new kink to add on to my oh, yeah. wagon of kinks Hell yeah! <laughs> hey, corrupting people. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Doing this podcast, my main mission was, okay, I've learned as much as my social group will teach. So let me let me start this podcast, and I, I have an excuse now <laughs> to reach out to people and go, hey, tell me your thing. Perfect. And now I'm just like, ah, crap, I need, I need like a U-Haul to move all of my kinks around. Well, that is one of the great things about erotic hypnosis. It's very low on light on the equipment. You know, don't have your rope with you, but you want someone bound. No problem. Get them to bind themselves in their own imagination. 
don't have a paddle with you and you want to paddle someone, no worries. Manifest a <laughs> kinesthetic hallucination and Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. You've got a paddle with you. <laughs> don't have a blindfold? Stick their eyes closed. No worries. They can't open them now. It's the irony of this coming from someone who owns so many shiny things to swing in front of someone's eyes. Hey, look now. I've only got like three pocket watches. That's not even many. <laughs> All right. So um, I've personal question. Um You've said that you both have been pushing, you know, things are, oh, this would never work. And then it has and it's blown your mind. Can you give us some examples of some of your uh, just mind blowing? I can't believe that worked type scenes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the smile and the laugh. After me. Yeah. Well, I was going to. The thing is, a lot of our very exciting scenes or some of them at least have been recorded because <laughs> because when we plan something big we can just put the cameras on and then we've done our job for the day awesome good we had this one scene called hypnosis versus fucking machine uh okay. which is very similar to what you'd expect it was engineering pitted against the powers of hypnosis um in which i had been denied i think for like 23 days or something like not what I would now consider to be not a super long time, <laughs> but at that point was quite a long time. And essentially you were kind of putting the doxy on me. This machine was fucking me. You were tied down. I was tied down and you were just relentlessly fucking my mind away so that the orgasm that my body desperately craved remained very out of reach for how long did we shoot for like about half an hour half an hour yeah so uh, the fucking machine broke before your <laughs> tricks did and that was such an intense scene that afterwards i was still it took because usually i come out of hypnosis quite quickly i'm i'm quite like good at going back into the room as it were but this scene because it was so much of dissociating me from my body parts you know not feeling or like numbing or um or just being like contained in this very particular part of my brain, it felt like, that I came out of it and it took me a really long time to ground back in my body again. And just that feeling of like, we had to do a reverse kind of induction where we sort of like a lot of wiggling my fingers. <laughs> and it was just, I love intensity. I love playing mm. with like pushing the boundaries and the limits of what I can do. So that was really great. It was great. Yeah sort of like the power of the mind over the body. And mm -hmm. I think my favourite um, point, which is more recent, again, sort of very much, what are the physiological effects we can have with this very mental thing? Mm -hmm. We were just playing around with like body control, talking about sort of, you know, control in general. And I was just thinking it would be really cool. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, you do. If... Um, <laughs> If we could go from just stopping arousal, and uh, we had some triggers around building arousal, that kind of thing, but if we could go straight for the physiological response. So I'm gonna, this this is one of these cases of, this isn't gonna work, but let's give it a go anyway. So I'm just gonna take tricks into trance and tell her that whenever I tell her to get wet, she does. Um, and there's no way this is gonna work, but it'll be fun and it'll be a fun mind fuck even if it doesn't work. So I, you know, drop tricks into trance, spend a bit of time, you know, teasing, 
fucking her head up a bit and just tell her whenever I say certain words that she will get wet. Bring her back out and we're both like, this isn't going to work. And I just say, get wetter for me. Mm. And it's remarkable just being able to feel and see something like that happen. That's so physiological. There is no way that someone can consciously control. Mm. And just, yeah, that wonderfully physical proof that all of this is that powerful. Is, mm, I mean, I, I thought you were going to bring up that time you used squirt for me. That was also fun, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, a lot of our, like, our play is very sexual. Orgasm control is like your, like, older... Um, one of my your core kings, yeah. right? And when we first got together, I wasn't in. I was like, "How does anyone?" I'd never edged in my entire life, and I was like, I, "Why would anyone not have orgasms?" And we were discussing this like the first time we were going to play, and we'd agreed that like, well, not the first time we we're going to play, but the first time we were going to play sexually. And I was like, "I I don't see how I could do that. I'd be a human puddle of need." And you literally said, "A human puddle of need is my favorite thing." <laughs> <laughs> and over the years we've been together. Yep, very into orgasm control now. Partly the brainwashing, which is hot. <laughs> but also incidental brainwashing. That one wasn't on yeah. purpose. Yeah, that was just you expressing your kink and me being like, I want a little slice of that pie. <sighs> yes. So that's some examples. We we have many, many more. Like the way I relate to my body has changed. The way that I experience touch has changed. Like in general, I'm more sensitive than I used to be. Um, which is crazy, but yeah. also wonderful. We've done remarkable work with sensitizing your nipples, so they're actually able to get you to the edge, which was definitely yeah. not a thing before. No, my nipples weren't very sensitive at all. Yeah. Um, you've managed to, <laughs> I think you described it as reduce the feeling of a tattoo to just the feeling of a pen over your skin with self Oh yeah, this was just me like chilling out, having a tattoo and being like, what can I make it feel like? Let's find out. Couldn't get rid of the pain, couldn't numb it entirely. Because that's what I was, I was seeing if I could do. But I could make it feel like a biro. Yeah, that was pretty good. So let me rewind a little bit because that, that just hurt my brain. Um, <laughs> another part of me just cracked open. So as someone who basically, uh, I, I don't know, I could take a knife to my nipples right now and be like, well, okay, there's some blood. But totally desensitized. Are you telling me that you've used um, hypnosis work? to literally change how <laughs> if you could see me right now my head <laughs> is just spinning i hear you like i can hear your brain whirring you know when <laughs> computers get too hot and it's like <laughs> oh yeah I've, I've got steam coming into my ears so that's not the most impressive thing with moving and playing with erogenous zones oh, because Christ. That, that yes, was an ongoing, like, consistent conditioning project. Yeah. That was something we worked on for a few months to yeah. get to the point where it was feeling that good. And, yeah, you can absolutely do that. What you can also do is temporarily move someone's clip to the palm of their hand so you can keep them distracted during a plane ride that they're finding a bit yeah. unpleasant. Yeah. And just tease them mindless throughout. No one can see. No one knows. Like... <laughs> That's the thing. You could you can couch reactions, you know, because you can build parameters. It's what some people often ask about the different the differences between conditioning and like the old fashioned way and hypnosis. And really, the thing with hypnosis is you can be so specific in the way that you 
tell someone to do something, tell someone to experience something. So you can say your clit's now in the palm of your hand and when I touch it, you are going to experience the same pleasure as you would feel when I'm touching your clit, but you're going to not outwardly express anything that other people could see. So like it can be a very like internal experience. So you can build that in really, if you just, you could essentially over time build someone's response that when you touch the palm of their hand in a certain way, they would experience it as clitoral pleasure because you could match those two stimuli over time and build it so that consistently you're working at making that be a thing. But you couldn't do that while you're sitting on a plane about to take no. off. And you also couldn't switch it off then, which yeah. is you, you can just take it away again when it's hypnosis. You can just say, now it doesn't apply anymore. And your brain goes, right, you are. Okay, <laughs> I, I understand. Uh, now it's just you touching my hand. That's That's fine. That's normal. So yes, fly that that flight was uh, very relaxing in a lot of ways. <laughs> I would recommend ten out of ten if you have a fear of flying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Mm. Um, all right. To get back on to the uh, the Twitter questions, what does aftercare look like post uh, erotic hypnosis scenes? Much the same as it does for everything else, really. Um, we'd recommend water, maybe some sugar. If physical contact is something you find good, then, you know, hugs are nice. Um, it's worth probably noting that for some people who don't drop from physical play, they might drop from hypnotic play. Some people who often drop from physical play might find they don't really drop from hypnotic play. It can go either way. Mm. Yeah. And really, it's it's very similar to any other kind of scene. It depends on what else you're including in it. A hypnotic scene could, to the outside observer, look like any other kind of impact play scene. It could look like any other kind of uh, like orgy. It could look like any other kind of degradation scene. You wouldn't know unless you were the people involved or you asked them that it had hypnotic elements. It can just seamlessly, like the salt like the garlic of every other kink, improve it, in my opinion. And, and my very informed opinion, I'll have you know. <laughs> and similarly, like, it can be something that's very low-key and you don't really need aftercare, but that's just, you know, it's up to the people involved, as with every other kink, talk about what your needs are. Yeah. Well, okay, so aftercare is pretty much the same as a scene, and... Although sometimes we do use hypnosis as aftercare. Like if we have a very physically yeah. intense scene or you're extremely mean to me, oh, like that time you broke my glasses, that was, uh, then we might use hypnosis to... As a, as a grounding exercise, yeah. really. As a, okay. We've, we've, we've talked before about how intimate it can be, so it can be a really nice way to sort of like calm down, come back together, sort of reset a bit. Yeah, feel very held and like reorient on what's the truth that you create together yeah okay and then um one last question for uh, from twitter is uh if, if you put something in place like the the words that made uh tricks blush and giggle a lot earlier um <laughs> is, is that something that only the person who put you under hypnosis can do or is that just a oops someone said it over the intercom and now you're you're <laughs> squirting at the airport <laughs> so that depends on how you set it up as we've talked or tricks has mentioned already you know 
you can arrange these suggestions in whatever way makes sense for you. So mostly we recommend you close things down as much as possible. So if you only intend a trigger word to work for you, specify that when you set it up. So say only when I say banana, banana, will you, I don't know, lie on the floor and pretend to be a banana. Um, <laughs> but you can obviously then choose not to do that if it's something you can phrase it as you know only people you're playing with or whenever this happens depending on what the intent is depending on what the suggestion is mm -hmm. so it's really customizable the only thing to note is if you use the same trigger a lot you can end up basically traditionally conditioning someone through doing that mm. so that hypnosis sort of bleeds into more traditional conditioning and then yes that they might start to respond to other people or at least have that bit of mental oh am i meant to do the thing mm. that's something to watch out for but, I, ha I had a I had a situation with a blender once where we'd been using this word pulse just that word alone for quite some time to mean a pulse of kind of pleasure well like a specific sexual feeling and you were in the room and we'd been seeing, so I was in that kind of floatier space. And I think, you know, your scent was kind of around, you know, I could kind of tell you were there. And I just my gaze fell on this blender and it had a pulse setting. And for one moment, my brain was like, should I? Should I? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's a blender. It's, it's not sinister. That's a blender. So in the end, we ended up changing that yeah. to be a slightly more specific phrase, pulse for me, so that it's much less likely that I'll see it and respond. But that only happened because my brain over time, over repeated use of this word, came to match that word with mm. a response. So even though it wasn't a hypnotic, like a hypnotic reaction anymore, I was still having this conditioned response. So changing the words you use every so often would avoid that. I mean, I didn't actually react. I just had a moment where my brain was like, should we? Um, but yeah. I didn't. And sort of communicate what's going on with you and you can adjust these things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to answer the original question, it depends on what you want, really. Yeah, completely. <laughs> So some people love open triggers. Some people want something that every time someone says it, it gives them some kind of feeling or some kind of, obviously you have to think about what that response is, right? And, right. and again, if someone gave you an open trigger, your mind is very attentive to context. You could r resist reacting to it in different contexts. And the mm -hmm. thing with open triggers is they tend to be less effective because your mind is doing more work to be like, is this an appropriate time for this trigger to happen? Yeah especially if it has elements where it really shouldn't happen outside of, say, a dungeon. And we'd always recommend, do, you know, using phrasing like only if it's safe and appropriate for this trigger to work. So, you know, you don't want someone dropping into trance while they're crossing a street. Mm. Right. I mean, a personal story that I have a, a while ago, I was at a munch and someone had been conditioning their girl to uh, to have an orgasm whenever he said come. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, this kind of uh, backfired because he would turn and say, welcome, and she would have an <laughs> orgasm. Come on in, orgasm. <laughs> and I'm just like, did you do that on purpose? Are you that <laughs> much of an asshole? Or... And he just went, eh, it happens. Yeah. And you can obviously choose what your triggers are. You might want, like, you can use obviously just simple English like that or you might be only if i'm touching you while i say or only if i'm like speaking directly to you 
or only if it's a longer phrase or use something else. At some points I've used Latin, like badly translated Latin as triggers, partly because it means, you know, no one's going to be saying these things. And secondly, because saying random Latin and having effects on other people makes you feel like a wizard. And who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> but yeah, so you pick your triggers carefully. Um, like it's incredibly nerdy side point here. It's a bit like naming variables for programming. If it's something you're only using very briefly, it's okay for it to be something very common, like a finger snap or a single word. If it's something you're going to need to remember and have like in effect for a long time, make it something descriptive and unique. Gotcha. <laughs> very nerdy. There, there. Thank you. Computer <laughs> to be fair, computer scientists, they, they are like, they know the logic. You want to date or like a mathematician, you know, you want someone who's got some logic, closing the loopholes kind of thinking, like, I, I fully recommend it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Trix and Sinister, you have both been amazing. I, I could just continue to ask questions until it's midnight for you and <laughs> dinner time for me. But we'll go ahead and uh, leave it here. And mm -hmm. uh, everyone listening, if you want more information, go check both of them out on social media, on Twitter. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you and your content. Uh, so you can find me at sinisterdenial.com. And me at hypnohedonista.com. But also find both of us and all of our porn and teaching at <laughs> porn and teaching on the same website. Sounds bad, but it's good. Mes <laughs> Mesmerotic.net forward slash learn if you want to avoid the porn. But it's it's all there. So Why Mesmerotic is porn? like... Oh, good question. Go for it. But, uh, it's like mesmer, like mesmerize or Anton Mesmer, and then erotic, mesmerotic, in case you needed it spelled out for you. And for everyone else that uh, still needs it literally spelled out, check out the show notes. I will pop in all of the social media and all of the, uh, um, the websites mentioned. And other than that, uh, Sinister and Trix, thank you both so much. You have thank you. It's been a lot of fun. You have blown my mind, and my my tease and denial fetish and my chastity fetish is very peaked. I'm like, ooh, interesting. Oh, I can I That's a whole have talked for two hours on using <gasps> hypnosis for orgasm control. So, <laughs> so thanks very much for having us. Oh, thank you both. And uh, other than that, Kingsters, we're going to go ahead and head back to the studio and we'll do our outro. Thank you so much. Didn't know why I waved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kingsters, that's our show. Thank you so much again. Mesmerotic.com, Sinister and Tricks. What a fantastic time. Very knowledgeable individuals about this. Uh, for me, I've never tried it. I never thought about it before. But now, after sitting down with them, I am intrigued. So, all of you, go to mesmerotic.com. Go follow them on Twitter. Uh, go check them out. It's a very interesting kink, and it's something that I think a lot of us can have a lot of fun with. All right. Another big shout-out to our sponsors, fetishforlife.com, sanctuarylax.com, and Spotify for podcasters. Oh, man. It is so fun to be back, and I love doing this. Let's continue on, and I'll see you all next week. And other than that, Kingsters, I'm the Reverend, and I'm out.